Good morning. And God's grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Time really flies. And for, as my family and I have been reflecting over the last few days about how quickly things have gone by for us at this vicarage here, we, uh, it kind of hit us as a surprise, like, oh, it's, it's been a year already. It's, it's time for our last weekend here. And as we were reflecting through these things, we are, I just wanted to express how thankful we are for all of you and for all of the experiences we've had here, all the learning opportunities. And honestly, as I uh, worked to prepare this message, I had so many things uh, going through my head to think, to, think to, uh, to preach on because there were so many opportunities we were blessed with. But I think one of the most significant and profound things that my family and I learned in our time here was what it means to be the church. And so with this time this morning, I want to reflect on that with you, on how God makes all of us into a very special community of faithful believers and people who love God and each other. And so the text that we're going to focus on to kind of highlight that is from um, Ephesians 3, which was read just a few moments ago. So in that text from Ephesians 3, Paul is saying a prayer for a church. And in this prayer that he's saying for this church, this church has its issues, just like any other. In particular, the Ephesian Christians struggled with division and hostility toward one another. They struggled with spiritual unfaithfulness to God and to each other. They struggled with infighting and with spiritual warfare, which all stemmed from the barriers that they had built around themselves and their reluctance to let anyone in, the separation that that created. And because of this, Paul really had to start at square one with these guys. He had to teach them the very basics of the faith. In the chapters leading up to Ephesians 3, Paul teaches them the basics, like that you are saved by grace through faith alone in Christ, that Jesus died to save all sinners and to forgive them, that all people are united together as one in Christ. Put another way, Paul was giving the Ephesian Christians the blueprints of how to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, and what it means to be a part of the church Blueprints are the things that give us the instructions, the measurements, and the, um, and the uh, other things that we need to know on how to build a building or a, any other type of structure that we may need to build. But Paul is not giving them blueprints for just any old building. He's giving them the basic building blocks of the true Christian church, which consists of all believers held together by faith in Jesus Christ. And this is all made possible by one's relationship with God and the relationships with others. When undertaking any sort of building project, you need to ask a few important questions before you begin. Questions like, who's going to build it? Who's going to pay for it? Where are we going to put this building? Who is it for? Who's allowed to be in it? What is this building for? It's important to ask these questions and many others like these because it helps to determine a building's purpose. So, for example, 
if you want to build a barn, there are certain considerations you need to take into account to house the animals that will be staying in there or to store the farming equipment. If you're going to build a hotel, you need to place it in a place that's accessible, probably near an airport or a highway. If you're building a grocery store, it needs to be in the center of a community so that it's accessible by all the people who live in the surrounding neighborhoods and so that it can properly store and make that food um, available for them. A building's purpose goes on to determine its size, shape, location, and even the, the type of foundation that it rests upon. In a way like this, Paul was going over these basic questions and principles with the Ephesians about Christian faith so that they may know the purpose of their faith and what makes a church a church. He was giving them the basic blueprints of Christianity, and he had a very good reason for doing this. The Ephesian Christians did not have the right blueprints to build a church. What they had in mind was something much smaller, much more exclusive. You see, the only people who could fit in the walls of this Ephesian church were people who looked like them, who acted like them, and who lived like them. If you had a different family history or background, well then, tough luck. You didn't make the cut. You didn't belong in that Ephesian church. These types of behaviors stem from our natural desire and their natural desire to be comfortable and have things be convenient. Sometimes it's easier just to leave barriers up. And that flows from, us, uh, from the blueprint of our sinful nature. So it was far easier and more convenient then to let division and hostility thrive in their community instead of doing what they needed to do to build a church. That is, of course, the opposite of the kind of church that God called them to be. Faith is the building block of love and fellowship. Sin is a building block which helps to construct barriers. Their sin and that specific sin they committed made them ignorant of the knowledge of the gospel. It made them too weak to build this church that God called them to build. And it left them spiritually empty. The Ephesians were completely ill-equipped for this task. They lacked that foundational strength, that knowledge, and that fullness that comes from God alone. Forget the basic components to build a church, the basic materials. They didn't even have the blueprints. Yet, after spending so much time going over these basics, teaching them the faith, teaching them how to be a community, Paul says a beautiful prayer for this church, for that Ephesian church. In this prayer, he asks God for three things to be given to the Ephesians. Knowledge, spiritual strength, and to be filled with the fullness of God. The very things that they were lacking. And these three things are rooted in one thing and one thing alone. The dwelling presence of Christ in their hearts through faith. Without this foundation, they cannot possibly put together a church according to God's standards. Really, at that point, it's not even a church. Instead, it becomes a building and a community that is according to human design and preference, where we only have the type of people in it that we would want to. That's what they were doing. And a place like that creates dangerous issues for both the people on the inside 
and those on the outside. So I can't see who's back there, but if you could advance to the next slide, thank you. So how many of you, or, or, or if any of you, have seen this building before? Okay, I saw one hand. You're the first person to uh, say you've seen it before. So this building is called the Fry Scraper. Well, at least that's one of its nicknames. The Fry Scraper is located in London, and its official name is 20 Fenchurch Street, which happens to be the name of the street that it's located on. This skyscraper is a commercial skyscraper, which means it's a place where companies can have their offices, um, and there's various companies who utilize this building. As you can see, however, it's got a very distinctive shape to it. It's curved, and it, it almost kind of looks like a giant walkie-talkie. In fact, that's another one of its nicknames, the, the walkie-talkie center. Whoever was responsible for making the blueprint for this thing and the design must have been pretty creative, or at the very least, this architect wanted to do whatever they could to make this thing stand out in this part of London. And the architect certainly did accomplish that. But not just because it's the only curved building in this part of London. The fry scraper, due to its concave shape, acted like a giant concave mirror that not only reflected the sun's light rays onto the street below, but also intensified them. Because of this, temperatures in certain spots on that street would reach around 190 degrees Fahrenheit, which famously melted a man's Jaguar vehicle. And if you advance to the next slide, that's not the same car, but you can see the, the body damage on that just from the sun's rays from that building. And you, you can advance to the next slide, too. Um, but it's not, that's not the only problem with this building. Due to its concave shape, it also acted like a giant wind tunnel on that street. And so the, the strong winds generated by that building were blamed for knocking over pedestrians, trolleys, and street signs. This thing was a mess. Eventually, they had to install shades onto the windows to prevent the sun's rays from being reflected down like a laser like that. And I'm not sure if they took care of the wind problem, but if they haven't, hopefully they will soon. In order to achieve an architect's concept of artistic beauty and creative design, the fry scraper had a massive design flaw. Sure, it served as a nice commercial skyscraper where companies could have their offices, but it turned into a, a dangerous part of the community. It got so hot that people could actually fry eggs on the sidewalks, literally, from this thing. It became something that its designer never intended it to be. Yet, how often is it that the church doesn't have the same problem? We like to write up and make our own blueprints for how the church should look, for who's allowed to be in it, for who we want to be around it, for how it should look, for what it's for. It's far too easy to take the things that God has given us, that unity, the beauty of faith, the, uni the beauty of fellowship, and to turn it into things that fit our own designs and purpose. And when that happens, we end up hurting others in the process. 
And this is just not, this is not only with the church building, this is with us, because we are the church. This is perhaps one of the most dangerous things that can happen to us. We can fall into the temptation to mold people and to mold our church into something after our own image, not after God's image. A church like that is convenient. It fits our design and purpose. It doesn't push us out of our comfort zone. And if a church follows that over time, that congregation can become concerned only with finding the people that we would call the right kind of people, which does not include everyone that God will call into his church. A church built only with human blueprints does not accomplish what the Lord had in mind because it lacks that foundational spiritual strength, that knowledge, and that fullness which comes from Christ. So really, left up to you and me, building a church is impossible. We can't even correctly answer those basic building questions I posed earlier. The questions like, what is it for? How big is it supposed to be? Who's supposed to be in it? And that's because we're not supposed to be the ones coming up with those answers. The answers to those questions actually just have one eternal answer. Jesus Christ is in charge of the church. He's the architect. And he has made it very clear what it's all about. If we were to go back and ask Jesus those same questions, here's how he would answer them. Who belongs in the church? Everyone who believes that he is the Son of God, the only Messiah, belongs to the church. How big does the church need to be? Jesus would say that it needs to be big enough for the entire world. It has no true size limit to it. And what is the church for? What is its purpose? Its purpose is to be the place where the world encounters Christ as he is, as the God who died and rose again for the, for the sinners of the world, to forgive them, no matter who they are, where they come from, or what they've done. And who's allowed to be in the church? Who's invited? Every single person. Because Christ is our foundation. Because the church is run by Christ. Everything in our lives is rooted and founded in him. Because remember, the church is not just this place where we gather. The church is us. If we're open to God's blueprints for the church we can start to see that he changes and, and redesigns things as it expands. We see that whenever he's changing things in us, in our hearts, in our faith, to become more loving and faithful to him. Being open to God's blueprints means that we're rooted and grounded in him. And he's always making more room for people to be in his family. And if we're rooted and grounded in Christ, according to his design as he wants us to be, then nothing in this world, no matter how difficult or crazy it may be, can uproot us, can tear that foundation away from us, because it is Christ, the eternal answer, the eternal ruler of the church. Dear friends of St. Lawrence, thank you for being a church that roots and grounds itself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for following his blueprints and living in his love and his grace to be who you are. Throughout this year, in so many ways, you have shown me Christ and what it really means 
to be a part of the church. As I anticipate being a pastor at about this time next year and my future years of ministry, I can say with all sincerity that I will look back on this year of vicarage with overwhelming gratitude and joy and thankfulness. I had the opportunity to be spiritually led and guided by amazing pastors who are incredibly faithful to the Lord and to all of you. I had the privilege of getting to meet so many of you and to enjoy your fellowship and your company and to grow in faith with you. One of the blessings of Vicarage is the opportunity to learn the blueprints of what it means to be a pastor on, and, how, and what all of that means. Because of your faithful witness, because of your love for the Lord, because of your love for me and your support and your prayer, the Lord blessed me with so many learning experiences, beautiful friendships, and growth in my faith. You have shown me and my family the love of Jesus. Thank you for everything. Thank you for teaching me how to become a pastor. So as I anticipate going back to St. Louis in just a couple days, I want to pray with you using some of the words that St. Paul shared with us earlier today. In this prayer, we're not only reminded that it is Christ that is the foundation of our church, that Christ is the foundation of our lives, but in this prayer, we also ask that he would give us those three things, that knowledge, that strength, and that fullness to continue his mission and to be united together as his true church. So I invite you to bow your heads as we pray. Dear Lord, may you grant to St. Lawrence and the entire church family to be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, that they may be rooted and grounded in love and may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the one true faith. Amen.